Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And the very first thing that I'd like to do today is to welcome our newest fellow saloner. Her name is Thea, and she's only three months old right now, but that doesn't mean that she isn't a part of the salon already, uh, just as her parents are. I've known Thea's parents, uh, Kadoma and Kevin, for quite a while now, and although we haven't been together in person lately, thoughts of the time that my wife and I stayed with them uh, remain among my favorite memories particularly the night when many of their friends came by for an outdoor feast with a big fire, music, dancing, and a lot of wonderful conversation. Whenever I hear the phrase, extended family, I think of these cool people and uh, still feel as if I'm one of them. Thea, you have landed in what I think of as one of the most perfect situations on earth that can be found today. Welcome aboard. We are so very pleased that you're here. Also, uh, I'd like to thank fellow saloners Jared G., John R., Fred A., Tabitha P., and Finn B., all of whom made donations to the salon, which are going to be used to help offset some of the expenses associated with these podcasts. And I thank each and every one of you very much for your help. Although uh, I haven't done this very often, I've decided that it's okay for our guest speaker today to remain anonymous. Why, you ask? Well, if you are a cannabis grower right now, even in a state where it's legal to grow cannabis, you nonetheless still must remain somewhat cautious and uh, more or less keep your head down. So whenever we can get somebody to uh, pass along a few things that they've learned about growing this important medicine, well, I think that we should listen. So uh, as we do listen right now to Shona Holmes' conversation with the young woman who calls herself Sally, Here's something uh, you may want to keep in mind. Even if you're living somewhere right now where it's still very difficult to make any kind of a connection at all to purchase some cannabis, you'll still need to be paying attention as to how that medicine was grown. For example, would you be willing to eat a peach that had been sprayed several times over with a deadly insecticide? Even if you wash it well before eating it, uh, well, there's still going to be some chemical residue on that peach that you eat. Now think about smoking something that has been sprayed with these deadly chemicals. Do you really want to toke so badly that you're willing to expose your lungs to an attack like that? Like most cannabis affectionados that I know, I'll always be willing to pay a premium for outdoor grown and organically raised cannabis. In the long run, I think it's going to uh, save a lot of money on future medical bills uh, needed to fight the cancers that chemically grown products bring to you. Ultimately, though, uh, you're going to have to be the judge of this for yourself. As you will learn in just a few moments, it's not impossible to raise some truly healthy plants without the marvels of modern chemistry. So now let's join Shona and Sally and uh, learn a little bit more about how to grow truly organic cannabis. Hey everybody, welcome to another conversation between myself, Shauna Holm, and uh, another fine medicine woman who I have met in my travels. And today I'm going to have a conversation with a very interesting woman who grows medicinal cannabis 
and grows it in very refined way with a tremendous attention to the soil and the what is added to the soil to create very potent medicine for people who need it and also of course for recreational users and we're going to call her Sally she's not going to use her real name for a number of reasons that said i will provide you with an email and you can contact her directly if you have questions and so i met Sally she attended one of my retreats in the Quinault rainforest recently and i was very taken by how she described the way she worked with cannabis and and what it meant to her it really touched me and and she is a grower of this medicine and and she is really a medicine a medicine woman so i'm going to read you her bio and then we will launch into a conversation here and so she says i am a psychedelic ambassador yogini and friend of the fairies after suffering back and brain injuries in 2013 the process of healing required changing everything about my career and yoga practice i had developed over the prior decade i began learning how to cultivate organic cannabis as therapeutic and celebratory medicine cannabis supported my basic and most urgent needs and conspired with many psychotropic medicines in the emotional and spiritual healing that had to take place psychedelics and their stewards are largely responsible for saving my life the conversation around understanding consciousness is allowing more of us to participate in our own research and develop our personal connection with spirituality our opportunity to examine our relationship with cannabis and other sequestered medicines supports our process of healing the earth and our relationship with her i'm committed to supporting others in their journeys connecting with plants spirit and their own deep truth i also love being outside travel motorcycles dancing and dancing until sunrise <laughs> and there is a website that she would like you to know about and she is involved with these folks it's called certifiednaturalcannabis.com and you can contact Sally at synesthesia which is s y n e s t h e s i a dot sally at gmail.com So, Sally. <laughs> Welcome. Thank I'm you. looking forward to this conversation. And so, first I'm going to ask you how you got into you explained that you had an accident earlier. Mm-hmm. But but talk about how you came into working with cannabis. Yeah. Um well, in my early 20s I had um worked with and smoked cannabis just a little bit off and on I think a lot less mm-hmm. than um your average Pacific Northwesterner even um but uh after I had these accidents um I I came to cannabis as pain relief um cuz that's the main thing that I had had heard and understood about it um and i i knew that it could be healing for epilepsy and healing for cancer and help with appetite and um and i wasn't really i didn't i wasn't very familiar with the um the spirit of plants yet i had a little bit of familiarity but not um the like deep like understanding yet mm-hmm. um so um 
Yeah, after after the accidents, I was just using cannabis for pain relief and um, um, needed to leave the the job I was working at for almost ten years and um, started. My partner was uh, a cannabis grower and um, very versed in um, psychedelic medicines. And so that was a, he was very supportive in me learning, learning to work with these plants and um, learning how, how to build my personal re- relationship with them. Um, yeah, so it start, started out just with simple pain, pain relief and developed into a lot more than that. It's, it's definitely been, um, uh, the, I think that the majority of the relationship developed just with being with the plants. Like there's this idea that, you know, we're, we're cultivating plants or growing them. Um, and you, you build this relationship without even consuming the plant, without even like smoking or eating. Just by um, growing. Or rubbing it on our bodies or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's what I really started to notice first is just like, you know, pruning plants or training plants or like digging in soil or like sprinkling bugs or something like that. Um, predatory bugs um, and just feeling like I'm not even if I'm the only person in the room like feeling that like I'm not alone in the room like feeling like there's some some something else that's like sweet and quiet and um, you know calming w- with me there mm-hmm. and that that's sort of how it how it started hmm. interesting yeah. how are you using the cannabis for the pain yeah um, I had been on a little bit of a hunt for the right combination. There's for for different people, it doesn't seem like there's really a um, that we know of yet, like a direct you know uh, CBD to THC relationship for every person. So maybe it's like maybe two to one CBD THC, or maybe it's you know two to one the other way. Or um, so I've been um, sort of hunting for what what combination might be good for me and my and my back pain could you could you explain mm-hmm. i'm sure most listeners know but some don't the what is cbd and TBD? yeah the, the uh, cbd is the part of the is a chemical in the plant um an oil that is produced um through, later in flower along with thc there's um you know all these these chemicals that are, are developing throughout the life of the plant and then they sort of evolve into these um and th- these are just ones that like I'm most familiar with and people are most commonly familiar mm-hmm. with. But there's that's w- that's another cool thing about this is that um, we are learning more and more about the different um, the the different chemicals in, and the different oils and compounds. Um, these are the ones we know the most about right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So um, and CBD is associated most with treating pain, mm-hmm. and um, THC is associated most with the stony feeling yeah. or um, like getting the munchies or, you know, mm-hmm. like the part that is um, relaxing or um, helps you to slow down your thinking. And um, so those are the differences there. So, so for me, I was um, seeking out something for, for my back pain and I did finally um, uh, grew out six seeds and got, I think it was four of them ended up being female and two are male and um, out of those four phenotypes, there might have been three phenotypes there, but out of those four plants, one of them, um, which I called Dogfather 4, Dogfather is the name of the strain, mm-hmm. and 4 was the number of the seed. Mm-hmm. And um, and that one, it didn't have very extraordinary um, cannabinoid profile, um, 
but it's of something like 20, 21, 22% THC and, and something like 0.03 or 0.05 CBD, which wouldn't even be considered a CBD strain. Mm-hmm. Um, but that specific strain I found to be extremely helpful with my back pain, almost anesthetizing, like um, so where it would numb my back and I would actually feel relief from pain, hmm. um, which I had experienced a little bit with higher THC strains to the point where it's just like I'm I'm more in my head and less in my body, but not that my body is being relieved from pain. So sort of a different mm-hmm. um, different relationship with that. But um, yeah, so and I found that, and I also find the um, the dog father to be if I smoke I smoke a little bit, like I'll take a, a little a couple puffs like throughout the evening or something to mm-hmm. sort of maintain pain. Mm-hmm. But um, I've also found that if I smoke it more intentionally and spend time with it, that it's very um, very psychedelic, and that um, like I can lay down and really like have a conversation with my thoughts, and um, I'll even have some closed eye visuals with that strain so it's definitely my favorite <laughs> treating pain good for the brain <laughs> and a little psychedelic experience that's really interesting because yeah. you would not necessarily most people would right. associate cannabis with psychedelics yeah yeah hmm. that's very interesting all right so and how's your pain now um it's still i still have pain most days you do um yeah uh and it's been just about three years, but um, I have learned to. I, I was trying for a while unconsciously to, you know, well, I guess first I was I was very like committed to doing every single thing that I could, and I, I still am um, to treat my back pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was sort of this like dedication to I'm going to be 100% better. And now I have realized, like, I'm, I'm not going to be 100% better. My body is different. Like, now, now it's different. And so, um, uh, what was the question? Sorry. That's okay. No, I just wanted to know how your pain was. Oh, how was today. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, in other words, you're still managing it with I am. Yeah. the cannabis. Yeah. yeah. As, as often as you were initially or? Um, No. Okay. No, it's a, to to a lesser degree and less frequent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But, um, but cannabis now, my use with it, yeah, I guess maybe like two out of ten times I'm using cannabis for pain, and eight out of ten times I'm using it for a change in perspective. Um, I for for myself and like my own work I'm doing on myself, I'm trying to pivot my judgment on myself a lot mm-hmm. lately, mm-hmm. and um, sort of like not this perspective of like needing permission from someone else or needing like validation from someone else or something like that. And just sort of like pivoting my the view of myself to, I am validating myself. I am giving my own permission, you know, and cannabis really helps me to slow, slow down those thoughts in it. You know, it, it's, it's not a secret that it, it slows your thoughts or, put space between between your thoughts but I think it's what you do with it and how that plant teaches us to see ourselves and see our thoughts differently mm-hmm. you know I can be be really upset or be in an argument or f- be feeling judgmental or frustrated or something and use cannabis and think you know think about it a completely different way right you know there's like the elevation and I think um the feeling that there's 
there's somebody else like showing me a part of myself that um, for, that's that's better, you know, that's stronger. Or, okay, I want to um, I want to have you elaborate on that in uh-huh. a moment. But when you were talking about slowing down the thoughts, yeah, that is interesting because I have a dear friend who is a high school dropout mm-hmm. and a scholar of law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's one of the brightest people I know. And one thing that he says constantly is, you've got to slow down your thinking. And that most people are just, there's several steps ahead. The attention span is not real focused Mm -hmm. or as focused as it it needs to be. And it's just, they're just too far ahead of themselves. Mm -hmm. And and that, that necessity to slow down, which is, rough these days because everything is going so fast. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, people think of that, oh, you smoke pot, you're way stoned, <laughs> and, you know, you're sort of missing yeah. whatever. So there is a fine line, I would think, you know, in terms of when you speak of slowing down your thought, yeah. you're not talking about getting like uber stoned, you're just, you're sort of using this as a, uh, an assist um, well okay actually this is what I want you to elaborate yeah. on the way you spoke of it mm-hmm. at the retreat uh-huh. and you spoke of her yeah. you feel there is a feminine presence mm-hmm. like a big sister yes you will yes exactly yeah um, yeah Gal had asked what what she's like mm-hmm. and so I was just picturing myself um, in the room and you know doing working with, with the plants and like training and pruning like I said um, yeah, and that feeling is like is like a, a big sister. Like I'm I'm an only child, but I always wanted older siblings mm-hmm. to like hang out and protect me and like bring their cool friends over. <laughs> and that is the feeling of the cannabis spirit to me. That she is a cool older sibling that brings over her cool friends and and like and like shows me interesting things and like makes me gives me someone to look up to and shows me how I can be. You know, like here's here's an example, and and you can you can live this way or feel this way too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it she just feels very like super loving and and super calming and grounded, and you know I think um, just friendly too. Like nothing stern about it, just super sweet. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're deeply connected with this spirit yeah. of, of the cannabis and see it as such. And I, I, I know, I know this, that these plants and fungi were the original teachers. Yeah. And they're <laughs> ancient, ancient teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's even sweeter that like the feeling of it is something so um, like youthful and modern too, you know, like bringing over your cool friends or, <laughs> you know, something like that. That's like, um, you know, using her wisdom to be accessible and readable mm-hmm. and relatable. Mm-hmm. And so, and the way you use it is very deliberate and focused. And mm-hmm. uh, let's speak to this. It's, I think cannabis is, is probably just incredibly overused mm-hmm. and abused. Yeah. And, and there's people who just smoke it chronically. Mm-hmm. So where's that fine line because you clearly use it regularly Mm -hmm. you have to to manage the Mm -hmm. pain yeah um you know yeah i think that you you'd mentioned something about um uh using small amounts of cannabis or getting super stoned Mm -hmm. um and i just said the other night that i really was getting good lessons from being super stoned Uh. i was just sharing that the other (laughs) night and and it's funny because like i wouldn't 
I wouldn't have thought that. I wouldn't have thought that about myself with my brain, and I wouldn't think that about the um, the sort of cultural view about cannabis use. But um, it just removes so much chatter, and I have a lot of chatter in here. Mm-hmm. It removes so mm-hmm. much chatter mm-hmm. where things are slow and easy to see and easy to feel and has like this sweetness around it where it um where it's not it's not difficult to 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 speak the thought totally opposite of right now (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) well yeah huh that's interesting very very it's not what i it's not what i would think and it hasn't always been like this either my relationship with cannabis has changed a lot and especially the last um nine or 12 months or something like that with the 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 more plants that i work with the more cannabis changes for me Mm -hmm. and i feel like she helps channel in other plant teachers also like she's very like has a has quite an affinity for other plants too and like helps bring in those messages even if it's not you know even if i'm just working with cannabis and Mm -hmm. i'm not maybe using cannabis in a mushroom ceremony or something else Mm -hmm. it's still very like the lessons are there Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like the doors open yeah, well, you're very clearly connected. I mean, you're you're growing you have plants in the basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gorgeous plants in the basement. And let's talk to uh, mm-hmm. speak to that because mm-hmm. you and your partner mm-hmm. are growing cannabis mm-hmm. with extraordinary soil. Mm-hmm. You don't use harmful pesticide no. chemicals. Yeah. So talk about how you are growing this this yeah. plant. Yeah. So um, yeah, we we grow in soil. Um, with compost and rock dust and crab meal and karanja cake and these kinds of things. And um, we just we rely on the biology of the, the plant to eat when it's hungry. So um, a lot, and um, I'm, I'm surprised a, lo- a lot of people don't realize, but most cannabis is not grown in soil. It's grown in either a hydroponic system um, or it's grown in something like peat or coca coir and... Um, ionic or mineral liquid nutrients are poured on so when you're when you're watering your plant you're also feeding your plant um and because the minerals are are soluble the plant just eats it it's it's forced to eat it so it's force feeding the plant um and so this way instead just like outside we let the plant eat when it wants to and we find that um you know i think that i think people agree that organic cannabis is is tastier it smells better it's nicer it's beautiful you know you can you can certainly grow beautiful tasty cannabis Mm -hmm. um with mineral nutrients but um i do think that people agree that it is better if you if you don't if you just let let the plant do what it does Mm -hmm. you know um and so yeah so we rely on the plant to feed itself we don't have a huge waste stream i was thinking recently it would be very cool to take a photo of of all of the waste that comes out of one crop because it's basically nothing um, we don't throw away any, we don't throw away the soil, we reuse it, we re-amend it. Um, we don't lose any water, we use a mechanical irrigation system. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're like these little carrots, they're tensiometers that sense the moisture content of the soil and hold it at perfect moisture content all the time, mm-hmm. which is nice because um, then I can go on a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the plants will take care of themselves while we're gone. Um, and... Uh, 
Yeah, and then and we also grow in beds instead of pots, so that will allow for um, the plants can just keep growing. They have all of the food that they need in the soil, mm-hmm. and um, they can. And it's more it's uh, easier to fill out the light footprint doing indoor growing. Mm-hmm. Um, we base it off of uh, footage of the light footprint, and um, yeah, in soil mechanical irrigation. Uh, and Those not a single places. chemical. Not no, a single chemical. Yeah, we oh, you talked about predator bugs. Yeah, we yeah we buy predator bugs instead of using pesticides. Um, so we order bugs um, from a friend who has a bug company, <laughs> and he gives great bug advice. Um, <laughs> what kind of bugs? Uh, so they're, they're, we use mites, and then also like tiny beetles. Um, they have a new name now. But the name I'm most familiar with is Athita coriaria. Okay. And they're also called the rove beetle. And they're cute. They're, they're little, um, they're tiny little guys. You can, you can still see them. They're, um, they fly around in the dark and, um, they eat all kinds of mites and, um, they eat, uh, root aphids, which is a, a big problem for a mm. lot of growers mm. that don't have rove beetles. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, we've had root aphid populations before and fungus gnat populations before and then we introduce the bugs the the rope beetle and they're gone huh. totally and then huh. maybe we'll see another bloom and then the rope beetles come in so they'll naturalize in the environment which is cool so it's like a it's an actual kind of kind of enclosed biological ecosystem yeah um with the bugs so and then we also get um tiny little mites that um they're called cucumerous and they they're almost invisible to the naked eye, but they come out of these little sachets that we hang um, in the plants, and they crawl out when they're big enough. Inside the sachet, they're eating. They're either eating a mite that eats mold, or they're like, they're like eating the mold until they're big enough. And anyway, they crawl out of this tiny pinhole, and then they go and they crawl around the plants and eat any bad guys that are that might cause cause us problems. Huh. They eat um, they eat spider mites and broad mites and russet mites, all the big the big guys. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's very cool, and it's exciting too. We have a um, a couple of microscopes that we use to to scope for tiny microscopic mites, mostly broad mites, because they're the big scary guys in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll find the brought the uh, the cucumeris and find the mites cruising around on the leaves, and they're fast and these clear little guys. It's really cool. It's just fun to watch them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh no, it's a bug. Oh, it's a predator bug. That's <laughs> Just brilliant, absolutely brilliant, (laughs) because there are so many growers that grow with pesticides and chemicals. And then I was in Shasta this past Mm -hmm. weekend, Mm -hmm. and the friends I was visiting were talking about the cannabis growers there that Mm -hmm. are doing tremendous damage to the environment, Mm -hmm. and they're clear-cutting forests, and they're growing these plants, and they're throwing pesticides and chemicals everywhere, and they're causing tremendous damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, killing salmon, a lot of the um, rivers... In um, in Northern California, um, Grass Valley area, like a lot of the there's a, there's a lot of pollution in rivers down there. There's a lot of um, yeah people just you know they don't know what to do. I think a lot of people come to cannabis because um, they want to make money. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. it's money. It's mm-hmm. it's you don't have you know you're not allowed to pay taxes on it. You can't pay federal tax on a scheduled substance. Right. So it's like oh that's a great idea. You know like we'll plant 99 plants outside in Northern California and we'll make a bunch of money and Oh, you've bugs? Like, you know, if, if you'd ever grown a vegetable before, if you ever grow a plant before, like, um, you, you have a little bit of background to know what to do. But I think a lot of people just come in and they want to make money and they, and they don't know what to do and they end up spraying 
horrible carcinogenic pesticides on these beautiful plants and then and then they sell it at dispensaries and call it medicine and then people who are actually sick you know i mean it's we know that a lot of people go into dispensaries you know like they get headaches or they rolled their ankle or it's you know it's it's a small thing and um and people like to self-medicate for those ailments in other ways too you know they might be treating they might be they're probably treating something that's not the ailment that they got their prescription for. Right. Which, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are people who are, who are going in who are sick, who do have cancer, who do have epilepsy, and they are they are smoking these chemicals, and we don't know what what happens yet, you know? So, but I, but I do witness people who, you know, are big into hash oil or BHO, um, and, you know, you get this horrible cough, and I don't think that sm- smoking oil is bad if the oil has been processed in a clean way, mm-hmm. um, and especially with treating treating cancer, epilepsy. I think that that's a great delivery method is to vaporize oil, mm-hmm. but not if it's been, you know, not if you have like watered Eagle Twenty into your plants that has some outrageous half life and never goes away in your soil any time that you're you're there, you know, like spring avid and forbid. These are these are nasties that are not even okay for food. They're not even sprayed on food crops. The crops they're they're ornamental. Wow. So, yeah, it's and a lot of people just don't realize. And it, and it's like, what do you do if you have if you have this you know um, ten week or or more investment into a crop? Are you going to just cut your plants down? People don't do that. They don't really cut their plants down ever. Hmm. They spray them with nasty chemicals to save, to save their money. Right. You know. Right. Um, so there's a sort of bummer uh, cultural pressure on that also. You know, like we're trying to make money, so we can't can't sacrifice. But it's like you're sacrificing people's health. You know. And finally, this is being talked about. You know, there's been a lot of articles in in the Stranger and the Oregonian and talking about pesticides. Finally, now. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's been a lot of um, people getting busted in Colorado and. Um, a couple companies locally here in Seattle who are who are getting in trouble too that just have outrageous. You can look online the list of things and the parts per million that they're finding in their in their hash oil or on their flowers, and huh. it's just outrageous. Like my uh, honey and I were doing some math to try to figure out, like looking at the application rate of these chemicals and then looking at the residue of the chemicals that they found in the flower and we're like how much are you spraying on these plants like it's way above the label rate for something that's an ornamental it's just it's really shocking and um and people should know about it it's dangerous yeah and it's and it's not um it's not a good way to treat our bodies it's not a good way to treat the plant or the earth you know it doesn't have to be done like this and i think that um we as cannabis growers we we can change the way that culture views cannabis and we can change the way that we are treating the earth. You know, like we have this opportunity as a new um, sect of agriculture to change change how plants are grown. You know, like if everyone grew in soil and stopped spraying spraying with the nasty chemicals and started using bugs, you know, like we could be growing more food this way. Mm-hmm. Um, organic could be the new standard instead of the alternative. Right. You know, like maybe we were talking about label, like label the conventional food. Like I, like my food should be organic. That makes sense. You know, yeah. like label the other, label the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because we call it organic, but organic mm-hmm. is the way it's been. Right. Essentially, yeah. That's the way it's 
you properly grow yeah. that we've always done. Mm-hmm. And so these pesticides is that, that that is all very new. Yeah, pretty much since right. World War One, and they turned all the World War One muni- the leftover munitions into pest- pesticides no and fertilizers, yeah. and it's it's it boggles the mind. I mean, yeah. when you think of the, like, there's no sort of common sense to that. Whatsoever. So, and I should have said, well, you mentioned Seattle because we are in mm-hmm. Washington State, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it is legal to grow mm-hmm. cannabis here. Mm-hmm. Well, according to the state, well, explain that as well because there's yeah. a, some caveats there, as there always are. There are a lot. There's. A, it's a very long story. I heard a great lawyer at the um, Northwest Cannabis Classic telling the story of Washington's legalization and black market, gray market story, and it was excellent, but I, I can't tell the whole thing. <laughs> um, in, the, in this state, we have both medical and recreational. Um, recreational 502 is, is still pretty new. I want to say we've had it for, I think it'll be two years in December, or maybe three now. Okay. Um, but the, but as a medical state, um, that's been going on a long, long time. It's sort of just been Wild West. Anybody can get a prescription. And there's a, there was a recommendation on plant count with the Washington State prescription. So you can have recommended 15 plants mm-hmm. or recommended whatever, however many plants. So the and average can person have, can. Yes. Can, okay. Yeah. With mm-hmm. a, with a medical, with a medical um, prescription. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you go to, you go to one of the, the cannabis doctors and mm-hmm. they write you the prescription and you hang it on the wall on the outside of where you're growing mm-hmm. and, and that's fine. Um, and up until recently, you could also have collective gardens so you can stack, um, I think what they changed last summer was up to four prescriptions together to have a collective garden. Okay. Um, so you could have 60 plants in one place. And so the um, legislation around that has been changing almost, it's been changing a lot um, very frequently and quickly. And come July um, of this year, of this year, mm-hmm. yes, the um, you will not be able to have collective gardens or um, basically grow your own. I think that the the last thing I heard was I think four plants, and then you have to also register with the state in order to grow your own medicine. Um, wow! And there the, and something else. The last I heard about recreational, if if you're a medical patient who does not grow, then you still need to go into a recreational store. Um, and there's some kind of like tax discount. You either get a tax refund or you don't have to pay tax. So, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of a bummer, you know, to have maybe like maybe grandma with cancer go into the rec stores, which are pretty, a lot of them are pretty nice. Oh, and then they're not allowed to speak to any of the medicinal. That's right. So yeah. they couldn't say, well, this strain is particularly effective for yeah. that kind of cancer or mm-hmm. this is if you suffer from epileptic seizures right this strain would be so they're not allowed to say that anymore yeah for for recreational you're not allowed to give people right. medical advice right right yeah. right yeah but but even to simply say this strain is efficacious for that right yeah, yeah that's there's a maxim of law <laughs> i study these maxims because every judge knows their maxims that's the foundation of law Favors from government often carry with them enhanced measures of regulation. Mm-hmm. And there is another maxim that says, he who accepts the benefit must also bear the disadvantage. And so here we have the government getting involved mm-hmm. in this. Now, it's interesting conversation because like those growers in California who are destroying the environment, 
you know, there needs to be some kind of regulation here. Yeah. At the same time, I think also we've got, as we always do, outside interests, corporate interests, mm-hmm. because this is ultimately big money. Yeah. And that unfortunately becomes the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And and cannabis, as we know, is so highly medicinal, mm-hmm. and also can be a very spiritual. Mm-hmm experience as well for people just on many many levels Mm -hmm. and so we've got the state getting their mitts involved and and the state is really a corporate body yeah and and too even in um the sort of grower community um what i'm seeing a little bit is our our folks who are saying who are trying to get pesticides approved for for use and there's some some um what I will call lobbyist organizations mm-hmm. that are, are working to make that easier because it's because it has such a, a history of of just reaching for the you know nasty bottle behind the counter mm-hmm. um, that that they're they're lobbying to make that legal and so what we're trying to do with certified natural cannabis is say hey you don't have to do it that way. Like, just hold the phone for a second. Like, let's let's just learn. There's, a, you know, a tiny bit of a learning curve. And then, you know, you can grow beautiful medicine that's clean, that's safe, that's safe for the environment and people. Um, and healing, yeah, ultimately. Yeah. So your partner has been a regular speaker at Canacon, mm-hmm. which is a conference, a cannabis yeah. conference. Yeah, Can you say his name or, or do you choose? Oh, I think that we might want to leave it out for okay, now. Okay, we'll leave it out for now. Yeah. That's fine. But That's if fine. anybody does want um, want help growing organically, definitely definitely check out that web- website, certifiednaturalcannabis.com, and, and send an email over. And we would love to you know, give any information that we can to help people keep cannabis non-toxic. Yeah, so talk yeah. about that website. So yeah. that's, that's all of this kind of information on how to Yeah, yeah, grow. it's still like, and you'll tell by looking at the website, it's still really new. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, that's that's the goal is to have consulting services available for people for mm-hmm. for biological horticulture mm-hmm. for you know safe cannabis growing, um, and uh, so yeah, is that is that your partners involved with that yes. and a couple of other folks yes. as well? Yeah. Okay, yes. great. So experts in this area yeah. of growing cannabis, yeah, organically, cleanly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. Okay, and then you have different strains, obviously, that you guys grow. And, yeah, and yeah. you have. Uh, you gave me one. I haven't worked with it yet, mm-hmm. but that is a psychedelic strain. <laughs> so speak speak to that. You talked earlier about. Yeah. Is, is that the strain you were speaking to earlier? Um, I think that maybe before I did share the dog father with you, um, the one from just a couple weekends ago was grape ape. Okay. Yeah, and okay. that and that is it's pretty strong. Um, THC, but the, the grape ape plant, the the strains do have a, they each have a little different vibe growing them too. You know, I think mm-hmm. that there's like the cannabis, the mama cannabis spirit in all the plants, mm-hmm. and then she sort of like will express her personality a little bit different in each strain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like sometimes I'm I'm training a plant and. Um, you know, it's so lanky and so viney and I'm like, oh man, you know, like this is, 
this is a totally different creature, you know, it's totally different vibe, but the, the grape ape plant, they grow a little bit squattier. They're more, um, indica like plant, the indica and the sativa, a lot of people associate with the effect of the plant or effect of, um, smoking, Mm -hmm. but, um, most strains are hybrid now. Um, Mm -hmm. there are very few that are either really, really leaning one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, so usually when I use the words indica or sativa, I'm talking about the plant itself. What does it look like? Like, what are its characteristics? And so grape ape is one that's pretty squat. It's really leafy. It's, it produces a lot of dense buds. Um, that one I don't find to be particularly psychedelic. Um, I do find it to be strong in um, having, a, per, having perspective in my mind. Um, and then if you smoke a lot of it, I definitely find it to be, um, helpful with sleep. (laughs) It's definitely a nighttime. Yeah. A nighttime. Which would also be, um, uh, an associate association with an indica plant. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then the psychedelic, more some psychedelic. Yeah. And that's the dog father. That is the dog father. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that too, just like the, the ratio for treating pain or the ratio for, um, for, you know, how, uh, what, what to eat, like mm-hmm. if you're making a butter or something, mm-hmm. um, I think will, will be individual too. Mm-hmm. Of know? course, of course. Yeah. yeah. Cause everyone's, yeah. although I have heard from a couple other people, they find the dog father to be psychedelic. So, hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then also I want you to speak to pairing cannabis uh-huh. with, for instance, mushroom. Yeah. Okay. And how that works. And, and I'll just say quickly, mm-hmm. I worked with the mushroom one evening with someone and then, and I don't really smoke pot, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. every once in a while. Yeah. And so the following night I had back pain from mm-hmm. uh, an injury I had and a friend of mine had given me these cannabis capsules and it was like a sort of a cannabis oil uh-huh. butter or something like this, uh-huh. but in capsules. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, this was our friend from the farm who, mm-hmm. who runs it. <laughs> And so, and he's an old guy. He's been doing, working with cannabis for, gosh, probably 40 years or more. But he said, yeah, I usually take about six of these. So I figured, okay, I'll be good with three. Because he yeah. gave me a few. Because I hurt my back at the farm. Okay. So anyway, so, so okay, so the night prior, I had worked with mushrooms. So mm-hmm. then this night, all I wanted to do was go to sleep yeah. early. Yeah. <laughs> and so I popped three of these pills. And then my eyes... Maybe an, I don't know, 45 minutes later, I'm seeing shimmering images, you know, like I'm on the mushroom and then mm-hmm. I'm like buzzing and I was like, am I, I wait a minute, this was last what night, I not tonight. And then I was like, so stoned, so stoned. It was ridiculous. I was like, God damn it, I cannot fall asleep. And I was having images uh-huh. like mushroom yeah. imagery yeah. Oh. and so i assumed somehow maybe the mushroom was still in my yeah. system and then the cannabis activated it yeah yeah and then i had this experience in belize a number of years ago well maybe three years ago mm. where i had done the mushroom and then towards the end my friend gave me a little cannabis to smoke and mm. then it, it brought back it, it deepened the mushroom journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was ending, yeah. but then it yeah. just sort of began yeah. again. So, so yeah. yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, I think that that is directly in line with uh, <laughs> with my experience and the experience of others. Yeah, um, uh, 
Yeah, even if it, so, even if you're not directly pairing, like your your couple of evening example, I do think that cannabis helps sort of open that door to mm-hmm. to other or plant plants or fungi. Um, uh, I think that um, it's it, it's really it's a really surprising it's really surprising how it feels like not not the cannabis spirit, how it really feels like, oh, were you working with this? Or, oh, are you interested in this? You know, or like, let me show you this thing. And it doesn't, it doesn't at all feel like the, the cannabis spirit, you know, but I yeah. think that she's there and she's holding open the door and that that's what it's like, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Um, cause I think that she just likes, you know, wants, wants people to, to work with the plant spirits, you know? Yes, I, I think it would be really fascinating to study the, the the deep science beneath that as well. Yeah, it, it just seems that, of course, the cannabis really should, for the most part, relax the body uh-huh. if you're working with that yeah. kind of strain. Yeah, and so it relaxes, but slows down the mind. And then you add something like the mushroom. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me that it would then deepen that experience yeah, for you because right. it, it's almost like you're that much more, relaxed, more into it. relaxed and receptive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, sometimes if I, if I will use cannabis at the end of a mushroom journey, um, yeah, it will e- either, either bring it or like open it back up for me mm-hmm. or it'll really, really slow down and then shift. It'll be like, okay, it's time to close out. Mm, you know, like mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna close out the night, like ceremony's ending, and now we're gonna like shift you back into, mm. you know, this other realm of being. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it seems very um, not programmable, but like like she's listening to what you need. Mm-hmm. It feels like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I have spoken with some people who swear by the soft cannabis that relaxes you. Mm-hmm. Is that the, the indica, correct? Um, the, the, yeah, that would, that would or be. Or more of like indica. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, who said, oh yeah, at the end of, you know, when I'm finished yeah. with the mushroom journey, I yeah. would just smoke just a little and then mm-hmm. it just really relaxes me. Whereas mm-hmm. I usually just take a spoonful of peanut butter. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> so I let the protein and yeah. the fat just sort of calm my nervous system. Yeah. But this yeah. one swears by the, the cannabis, mm-hmm. as do, uh, other people who I've spoken with mm-hmm. about that. So that's really interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. And then what about, I suppose you could put it with, it's interesting because I'm not a big, I'm not sure how I feel about a lot of these sort of combining. I hear people combining mm-hmm. ayahuasca with the mushroom and mm-hmm. I've not done that. It's not, I'm not drawn to that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just wondering in terms of, Gosh, combining cannabis with ayahuasca, and I'm sure people have. Yeah. Smoke um, it at the end of a journey. Yeah, I think that in a lot of um, uh, traditions, working with ayahuasca, that is definitely not embraced. I would not think so. Um, but I have talked to um, a couple of people. Um, I have not. I have not used cannabis during. Um, an ayahuasca ceremony experience, but I have before, mm-hmm. um, which I found to be very helpful. So um, before, how soon before? Um, a few hours. Okay. Or maybe two. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, I was doing as an experiment. And, and I thought a lot about this because when um, getting ready for ayahuasca ceremony, you know, like I'll adjust my diet to to what I think is, is needed at the time. I'm not really strict about it. I used to be super strict about it and I'm not, I'm not now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought a lot about, you know, 
if if cannabis is growing in the jungle, it would probably be in the brew. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think that like knowing that cannabis loves other plants, mm. um, and you know there is sort of like the, this um, uh, idea existing around the, and and from you know born of personal experience that ayahuasca is sort of a jealous plant. Yes, I've heard um, that. Which I don't, I don't like to say that. I'm uh, I don't think. I mean. I, I think it really depends on the work that you're you're doing with ayahuasca, but um, I found it, in ceremony. I what I've heard from people who have smoked cannabis during ceremony that it does get in the way. It does interrupt ayahuasca. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you can communicate with these plants, especially in the ayahuasca or psychedelic space, where you can say, you know, okay, you know, who who are you? What are you doing? And they're like, what is this experience I'm having? And then you know. Um, from uh, this lovely shaman woman I talked to, she said, you know, cannabis answered and said, oh, here I am, I'm cannabis, you know. And she was like, all right, well, you know, right now I'm, I'm working with ayahuasca and cannabis said, okay, hmm. and just moved I've over and, like, and everything shifted. Hmm. So um, I think that the, that uh, taking, taking our, our place as having a conversation with these plants um, and not making too many rules about it and, and just investigating what it is for ourselves is, mm-hmm. is the right answer. I think mm-hmm. as, as long as we know that it's not dangerous and we do, um, that, you know, asking the plants about each other and like asking the plant about yourself and, and see what that, see, yeah. see how that works for you and your relationship with the plant. Cause that's like, you know, no one else can tell you about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see all of these substances really as like a portal. Mm-hmm. That you crossed, mm-hmm. and so yeah. depends on your intention mm-hmm. and the set and setting that you've created. Mm-hmm. And and do you incorporate any kind of ritual when you work with cannabis? Um, at, at times, or? yeah, at times. If I, you know, like if I am struggling and I want to go to cannabis for this shift in judgment or shift in perspective, mm-hmm. you know, like I ask her, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't like feeling this way, like help me see myself from a different perspective or help me see this thing. Um, in, um, when I am transplanting plants or harvesting plants, that is, um, also has some ritual around it. Um, I, I really, 90% of the time I really love transplanting plants. If they've gotten kind of big and out of control, it's like a physical, you know, like, all right, like me and you girl, like we're going to get in, we're going to plant you in this bed. Like maybe it'll be kind of hard, but we'll get you there, you know, kind of situation. But most of the time it's great. It's really lovely. I like it. I like when I pop them out of like, when, when the plants are in veg, we'll transplant them a couple of times in different pots and bigger pots. So they have more soil, so they have more food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually they go from like a six inch pot or a three gallon pot into the beds. Okay. And so, um, you know, I love taking them out of the pot and like seeing their beautiful roots and they're all these big pearly, like thick roots and they just look cool. And it's like, you know, you see, you see the top of the plant and the foliage and you see all, you know, like this network of, of roots. That's like, um, you know, the plant's brain or something. <laughs> um, so I, I, I love that. I love to be in touch with the plant and make that ritual when I do that. Mm-hmm. And then also when, um, when I harvest, I always say, I usually get a couple of helpers 
because um, it's it's a big job. It's a long day. Yeah. Um, and I'll get a couple a couple helpers, and you know, we thank the plants, and mm. we tell them they're beautiful, and that they've been awesome, and you know, like thank you for growing. Like you look great. You smell beautiful. Like um, please, you know, do go out into the world and and do your do your best work. You know, whether it's like whether someone ends up with this cannabis and they're relaxing at home after work by themselves or they're bonding with their lover or they're hanging out with their family and smoking a joint and eating some snacks and like watching a TV show. That's awesome. Like I want all those things to happen with cannabis that I grow, you know, or, um, you know, we've also grown some, the higher CBD varieties and, you know, like I, I talked to the plant and, you know, say, go out and find the people who need you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like be, be good medicine. I know you will, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, there's really, we're speaking really of tutelary spirits mm-hmm. and that's long being understood yeah. in cultures all over, right. Who have worked with plants and fungi and yeah. are able to access a, essentially a tutelary spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I didn't hear much about cannabis being a teacher plant from others, but it sort of it sort of occurred to me one time, you know, mm-hmm. like I um, um, had been working with ayahuasca and growing cannabis and realizing that, you know, the the person I want to become, I am becoming that person by growing these plants and becoming and being a healer already happened because I get to work with these plants Mm -hmm. and it it was very like, you know, just pretty recently, you know, like surprising me and then seeing where I am, you Mm -hmm. know, and seeing that I I get, I get to have this super cool gig where I get to be with beautiful, beautiful plants and like feel, feel the love of earth directly, you know, in, in my work. So and so I know you have uh, essentially a mediator, a fellow, who, uh-huh. right? He he sells your plants mm-hmm. for you to mm-hmm. the various dispensaries mm-hmm. and and uh, places around here where mm-hmm. we are in Washington. Mm-hmm. Have you received feedback from people who have used the, you, your cannabis medicinally for various ailments? I would love yeah. to hear. There's um, the first one that comes to mind is is. Um, probably the, the coolest one, um, <laughs> that um, we grew um, an ACDC variety, which is, uh, um, there are a couple different phenotypes. The ACDC is the name of the strain or the cultivar, um, and it's high CBD, low THC. And um, we grew we grew this plant, and it just looked completely different from all of our other cannabis plants. It looked like a Christmas tree. Hmm. It had, like, big... Um, stretched flowers and it was just like really silly like Dr. Seuss Christmas tree and we're like this ACDC plant I hope someone I hope somebody gets it and needs it you know like is anybody you know gonna gonna love the silly like looking flowers and so um yeah it ended up going to a dispensary and um mom was coming in and buying it and she was buying it for her son who I forget how old he was I feel like he was around 10 Mm -hmm. but um yeah and he was having seizures and was, um, I, I think that she was making, like, cooking it down and putting it in butter, and he's eating it, and it was keeping him from having seizures. Oh. And so, and we were like, wow, that worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what a wonderful, what a wonderful story. What um, is someone like that going to do when 
the government changes, makes these drastic changes. And I mean, how are they going to figure out in terms of, is there, I guess there's, I mean, how would you do that? Because all these strains have different names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I also, I just wonder about even if there could be a website put together that simply discusses the various strains and what their attributes are, but doesn't sell anything. Yeah. Because I think that is perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 to talk it, about Yeah, it. yeah, you can mm-hmm. talk about it as long as you're not selling anything. Yeah. So how, I mean, how about a website that, that yeah. would be? Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly exist. There's um there's Leafly, which is a pretty common common one and has a lot of strains on it. And that and that does talk about it has like a little rating scale and people can make comments and and um, could you, you know, say leafly leafly how, how would you spell that l e a f l y okay leafly dot yeah, com yeah okay um and uh, I mean any the, the thing is when you're looking for information about cannabis it, it has been so um, researched so little yeah most of the information that we have on it and a lot of information in forums is is not um, not done by trial. There's mm-hmm. no control. It's mm-hmm. just like I watered the stuff in, and it was super dank. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, like, did you do anything else differently, or you know? So like, you have to keep in mind, even even when looking at Leafly, um, that any anyone can say anything they want about any plant, and it could be named incorrectly, or yeah, you know, yeah. there it, it could be anything. So just do, being thorough, and um, you know, doing your own do your own research. As no. best you can. Yeah. Wow. I would highly recommend you guys do something <laughs> like that. I'll just tell you right yeah, now. Yeah. Crack the whip. Get started on that immediately. Yeah. Because that's going to be hugely helpful. Yeah. Because ultimately, cannabis is its so highly medicinal. Yeah. It is really just astonishing because it's this wonderful teaching plant. Mm-hmm. As you say, there is definitely a tutelary spirit there. Mm-hmm. It is a tremendous assist in the psychedelic piece mm-hmm. as well, and then has this incredible medicine. And then, of course, the other side is so abused, chronically yeah. abused. It's yeah. ridiculous mm-hmm. and a shame. But aside from that, so back to medicinal peace, and, and it's medicine that we need mm-hmm. desperately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, what about the oil? Mm-hmm. The actual oil. Like, you know, there's the Rick Simpson oil, yeah. that guy from yeah, yeah. Canada. yeah. And he was healing, well, a lot of cancers, particularly skin cancer. He mm-hmm. would put the, the oil in the skin cancer, and it would take it right away. Yeah. Um, there, let's see, it wasn't until too recently that I had um, met anyone or knew of anyone directly that had healed their cancer um, with cannabis. I had heard of it being um, supplement, supplementary and mm-hmm. um, um, helping in that way. Uh, and of course, like ha- helping with symptoms and appetite and things like that with different treatments. Um, but oil is oil is what I see being abused. Um, hmm, really? Yeah, I don't see too many. You know, I think that our um, and you know this could certainly be because I'm insulated, but I don't see a lot. I see on TV. You know, on TV there's people abusing cannabis, and there's on TV and like I on like CNN maybe I don't not CNN, but someone's talking about you know this guy who works at a pizza place and he lives in his mom's basement and he just plays video games and smokes weed. I don't know that guy. You know, I, I think that a lot of a lot of our ideas about cannabis abuse are not true. Hmm. Um, but I, I do believe, of course, that we can be 
Um, and I'm not saying you, you can't easily abuse cannabis. I, you certainly can. Um, and there are, you know, you can you can use cannabis and not use it mindfully. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that's the abuse of it. But I think that... Um, you know, it's, it, you're still, you're still working with the plant. The plant is still working with you. Like, don't underestimate what you're putting inside your body and how you're altering your consciousness. You know, I used to, um, I, I compare it with yoga a lot. Um, I used to teach yoga and I've had a, had a yoga practice for a long time. And it used to bug me a lot. Bikram yoga bugged me a lot because I thought that it was like void of actual yoga, void of bot safety and body mechanics and spirituality, and, you know, I'd go to a beacon class, and they're like, open your eyes, look forward, don't put your ankle like that, and I'd be like, man, you know, like, I wish I was just doing some yoga in here, instead of, like, getting yelled at about Bikram positions, but, like, even Bikram yoga brings people to yoga, mm-hmm. it still gets people curious about yoga, it still mm-hmm. gets people curious about their bodies, and their spirituality, and their meditation, and what happens in my brain when I do this posture, you know, it's still, like, still guides people away, or along, mm-hmm. so, um, I, yeah, I just like to keep that in mind with the umbrella of cannabis abuse. Cause I think that, you know, we were told that it's, you know, or it looks low vibe sometimes. It doesn't look like a high vibe medicine. Yeah. But, you know, like my experience of it and how, um, I think it can be worked with is, is, you know, super high vibe. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And that there has been a tremendous amount of, negative propaganda right. put out there by design for, yeah. for all of, you know, for mushrooms, for, for all, of it. Yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. And that said, you know, people will, can and do use cannabis as a crutch. Right. Yes. And I remember having a really great talk with my teenage daughter about mm-hmm. all of this kind of thing. Yeah. And explaining to her, because she was asking me about cannabis mm-hmm. and she wanted to try it and mm-hmm. and uh and so we just had a very candid mm-hmm. discussion but i That's explained cool. look you know this is actually kind of a medicine yeah and yes it can be used to just chill out with yeah. at the right time right and if you're not careful it can become like anything mm-hmm. a crutch yeah like that glass absolutely. of wine can become a crutch absolutely yeah you're listening to the psychedelic salon where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. So, uh, I wonder if maybe I'm just another chronic cannabis toker who uses it as a crutch. Well, it's a fine line, actually, I guess. In the interest of full disclosure for any newcomers to the salon, you should know that I've been using cannabis almost each and every day for over 25 years now. Some conservative and religious people I know of would uh, think of me as a pothead, and maybe that's true. But this pothead was also a lieutenant commander in the United States Navy, the president of several corporations, and a Texas lawyer with a Bachelor of Science degree in electrical engineering and a doctor degree in jurisprudence. So I may be a pothead, but you should know that not all potheads just lay around on a sofa eating chips and watching cartoons all day. Not that there's anything wrong with that, if that's what you want. But please keep in mind that we tokers come in many flavors, just as cannabis itself does, I should add. Now, in regards to their discussion about using cannabis with other substances, my personal experience has been uh, in the ayahuasca group with which I was involved. We were all purists, and uh, not only didn't we use cannabis during an ayahuasca ceremony, we even stopped using it one week before the ceremony. But mushrooms are a different story, at least with me. I've had uh, dozens and dozens of mushroom experiences, 
and I used cannabis during every one of them. My usual protocol was to grind up the dried mushrooms in a coffee grinder and mix that all up in a cup of hot chocolate. Then, while I was waiting for the mushrooms to come on, I'd smoke a little pot to calm my stomach and uh, ease me into the experience. And uh, now that I think of it, I guess that I've also used cannabis with MDMA, uh, LSD, and, uh, well, who knows what else. Just uh, never with ayahuasca. Now, I know that this may make me sound like an old fogey, uh, probably am, but you have no idea how happy it makes me to hear young people very matter-of-factly speak about the various strains of cannabis and that one needs to be more selective in choosing which one to use for different occasions. Now, the old fogey part is that for everyone my age, and uh, probably for most people who aren't living somewhere that at the very least medical marijuana is legal, well, that to hear about choices available to cannabis enthusiasts uh, sounds like fiction. It wasn't all that many years ago when I would be ecstatic just to find a source for any kind of pot. Even really poor quality pot was a great thing to find. So if you're living somewhere that cannabis is still illegal, well, hang on, because the day when it is legal almost everywhere in the world is not all that far off. As us old guys say, I can feel it in my bones. Now, there is one more thing that I'd like to mention before I go today. But to tell the truth, the more I try to come up with a brief description of uh, something that I think is going to be interesting for us to try, I get lost in uh, first filling in some of the necessary background to uh, better understand the potential for what might be done. So I've decided to first explore some of my new ideas with our fellow saloners on the forums. Uh, the people who want to get involved in the creation of something that I think has the potential of transforming parts of the global psychedelic community. I'll be going into more detail about this on the forums in the months ahead, but here are the headlines. In the late 1970s, the first personal computers began to appear in hobby stores and were essentially thought of as expensive toys for us geeks. Eventually, enough people owned personal computers that email became a necessity. Then there was this thing called the World Wide Web that again seemed to be of interest mainly to the more technically inclined among us. About 10 years ago, smartphones appeared, and now the web, email, and a personal computer can be found in our pockets and uh, have become part of our everyday life. But all of this is merely a prologue for what is about to happen. A new protocol is being layered on the internet, one that has potential to become even more important to human life than is the phone in your pocket or purse. I'm talking about blockchain technology. And if you don't know what that is, then you owe it to yourself to begin paying attention whenever you hear about it. Because 10 years from now, blockchain technology will be an essential part of your life. Now, that's as geeky as I'm going to get today. I'm taking the technical discussion of this out of these podcasts and onto our forums where we can discuss things in more detail. And I certainly hope that even if you don't have any interest at all in the technology, that you nonetheless join in our discussions. Otherwise, the distributed autonomous organization that we design and give a test drive to will have been designed only by us geeks. So please feel free to join us in the forums where we will begin to discuss the structure that we would like to see to support what I'm thinking of as a psychedelic distributed autonomous organization or the Psychedelic Dow. 
I don't know if we'll actually achieve all that is possible with a non-hierarchical organization, but it sure will be fun to try. To me, what I will consider to be a success with our first attempt is to organize and then establish a self-running DAO into which I can transfer control of the psychedelic salon. But that's only the first baby step. The worldwide psychedelic community numbers in the hundreds of millions. We live in every nation on earth and we participate in many different cultures. But when we meet at festivals and conferences, we look into one another's eyes and say to ourselves, Hey, they are one of us. What if there is a way that collectively, on a global scale, we can combine a few of our individual resources and back one another in various ventures? What if the psychedelic community had its own form of money? What if there was a way to tell if one of us is who we claim to be and are not actually an undercover narc? What if we were able to fund cannabis growers in places where it's legal and use our share of the profits for scholarships or something? The possibilities are endless, but at the very least, I think that this may be a way for the salon to continue long after I lose the energy to keep podcasting each week. Not to mention the fact that this technology holds the promise for the global psychedelic community to have its own democratic infrastructure and economy. To learn more about uh, what I and some of our other fellow saloners are thinking about these things, just go to thepsychedelicsalon.com and click the forums link. I've set up a new topic titled A Psychedelic Dow, and hopefully this is going to grow into a lively topic. Now, if you want to learn more about blockchain technology without first going to the forums, then check out a couple of the videos that I've linked to in the program notes for today's podcast. In any event, I think that it would be wise for you to start learning more about what the world's bankers are already planning for their own uses of the blockchain. It's a technology that is going to revolutionize societies everywhere. And our community now has the opportunity to be a part of the leading edge of the wave of change that soon will be upon us. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends.